If you were with us last week, we were beginning to uh, dig into the new covenant, unveiled the new covenant for your glory, for the grace, for the power to live an overcoming life. And I know there's many Christians that are struggling. There are non-believers that don't want to accept faith because they don't understand all the rules and regulations. Uh, this thing is meant to be life. It's meant to be liberty. It's meant to be joy. And if you were with us last episode, you began to hear Pastor John Bailey. We're glad to have you with us again, Pastor John, right. pastor of uh, Springs Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and also a former missionary in uh, Europe, uh, Ireland, uh, helping lead conferences and uh, sharing this uh, important message all around the world. And he brought us through some really uh, wonderful scriptures. If you did not uh, listen to the last episode, uh, you can you can start here in this one, but I want to encourage you to go back to that one as well and share it with your friends. This is a message that I think needs to go out to the world, and the Christian world in particular needs to hear this liberating message. So thanks for being with us on episode two of the New Covenant. Glad to glad to have you here. Um, so if people listened last episode, they began to understand there's some there's a new way of living there's a a new uh can come out of the law and guilt and shame and into a grace that uh, doesn't excuse your sin but gives you power over sin and this is we're calling it the new covenant it's different than uh just having the old testament the first uh you know written books and then the new testament it's different than that it's a whole way of living uh so i'm assuming there's some people that listened to the last episode and they're thinking I, there's something in my heart. I don't. I can't picture anybody not wanting to not only accept this, receive this, but to really walk it out, live in it. Can you can you tell us a little bit of some of the how tos? Like, uh, and I'm not looking for ten steps. Like, you know, ten steps to because then that could become a law itself. Like, you know, if I do these ten things, then God will give me the new covenant. That's going back to the. That's actually another form of the <laughs> of the law. Uh, so I'm not asking that, but I am asking some things as a pastor. If if somebody was sitting across the table and you could see they were struggling, they were downcast, they were depressed, discouraged, living in fear, living in guilt and shame, and you wanted to bring them into the new covenant, what would you be saying to them? What would you be inviting them to experience? Uh, what what word of encouragement could bring the life that the new covenant offers? Sure. I, I think it is um, probably for all of us we are well acquainted that we're flawed. Um, I think that most people, you don't have to do much convincing when the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, there's a few people, you know, there's some people that just live in a place um, of just not being able to process and look at themselves or things. And so, but most of humanity, we realize that. So when I start to talk with people, it is, a true plight of humanity. When the gospel says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we feel guilt and shame, or that we know that we've done things uh, that maybe haven't pleased God, or maybe it's, it's even just um, just the sin of, of being complacent about spiritual things, that when we do that, we know that it doesn't please God. But this is something that all of humanity deals with all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, you have them hiding behind the trees, full of guilt, full of shame, trying to clothe themselves, but they really never really could take away the guilt and the shame. And it really is a plight of humanity. So when you can help people to understand that God sees that that's how we are. And so when he devised the plan of salvation through his son, it really is an unbreakable covenant. Because if God 
uh, was trying to get you to be good enough to serve him, it would always be flawed. And I think he knows that. I, uh, I love one of the passages in the Bible when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, he, he tells James, Peter, James, and John, which are his three closest disciples, you know, hey, stay here and pray for me. And he goes a little bit further to pray. And I think most of us know the story. He comes back an hour later, and they're asleep. And now, just to think of this, these are the three pillars of the church, three people handpicked by God, and they're asleep when Jesus said, can you just pray one hour? He wakes them up. So they wake up. He goes back to pray again. And this is when he says, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, sweat drops of blood uh, because of he knows what he's about to face at the cross. He realizes what he's about to go through. He comes back the second time. And again, they're asleep. It was, it was God, I believe, the father looking down and saying, son, this is the best of what you've chosen. And yet, and you've walked with him personally for three years. And yet, look at the flaws. Look at the cracks. If we can't realize the cracks and the flaws that we have, you can never really find freedom. It's in it's in discovering that, that God is saying, uh, the Father is saying to Jesus, Son, if you don't go to the cross, if you don't die for their sins, they're hopeless and helpless. But because he did and he overcame and he washes our sins away, if you can come to that understanding, the very purpose that Jesus died wasn't just to give a good example. He did that to deal with our sins, to take our sins away. So really, if you're a believer, isn't it really looking at God and saying, you know, God, I don't think your way is right. God, I don't think that your way is the best. There's got to be another way. I really need to do this. And then what invokes out of that is pride. If I do good enough for a few days, then I'm prideful because look what I did. But the gospel is all about a needy, broken humanity coming to a perfect Savior that's dealt with our sins once and for all. It doesn't, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to continue to help us to grow and be more like Him. Uh, absolutely. But that does not come by rules or law or guilt or shame. None of those things do anything to transform us. It is the grace and the love of God. The word grace is unmerited favor. That means you can't do anything to deserve it, and you have to stop trying. It is when you cease your labors, and you believe in the gift that God has given to you, and you trust that, that's when you're going to begin to get onto the road of finding real victory and power. So when I'm talking to that person, I'm saying, listen, you can try all of your days to be good enough and you still will be in, in the exact same place that you're at if you can move from that place to really trust that Jesus has paid it all and that he's dealt with your sins once and for all, you really will find peace. It is unbelief that leaves us in those places of overwhelming guilt and shame because we don't really believe that he dealt with it. So now we're trying to deal with it. So if you're out there and you're struggling with guilt or shame, or you know people that, that are, to get them to make that step to go, I never, that path will never take me to a place of victory. So I have to give up that path and I've got to get on another path. That's the difference between old covenant and new covenant. And the new path 
is understanding the grace and the mercy and the love of God and that he'll transform me. And yes, when I sin, I confess to the Lord. I go to the Lord. Hey, Jesus, uh, help me to get my eyes on you. Uh, But it's not with guilt and shame. It is in a place of believing and loving God to be transformed uh, from glory to glory and image to image. That's the power of God to change a life. Mm. In that new path, so you, you're, you're just you're, you're pointing the way. You're saying like, get off this old path, the new path. That transition is, is it mental? Like I just I choose, or is it emotional? Something happens to me, or is it a divine lightning bolt that hits me and I, yeah. I change courses? Or how how do I change then? I believe completely. I believe that that God has given us all a measure of faith, and I believe it's faith. I believe mm. two of the most misunderstood words in the church is grace and faith. And so just to maybe just to take a moment and mm-hmm. talk about that, because I think it's, uh, I think that when you get one of those two areas out of line, you lose what the what the spiritual truth of new covenant is. So when uh, when it says in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, for you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So it's by grace through faith. So if if you have somebody who is very strong on the grace message and they're like, oh, it's just the grace of God. It's all the grace of God. And everything is the grace of God. Now, I completely believe in the grace of God. But if you go, if you go grace alone is not the fullness of that passage, it's by grace through faith. And so you have areas of the church that talk about grace all the time, but they won't ever call out sin. They won't ever talk about what's right and what's wrong and how to live and what the kingdom of God is like, because everything is just covered by grace. Well, grace is grace is more than that. Yes, he covers grace, but that's the first half of the promise for your save by grace and then the through faith. And you have another part of the church that will focus so much on the faith and living for God and doing things and great exploits and serving God and witnessing, but they but they don't as much focus on the grace part, the unmerited favor that we are saved by because um, because we can't earn it. So uh, you know, hey, you have to give up on the effort to try to earn the love of God. The love of God is something that's given that needs to be embraced. So here you have these two sides of the church. And in many places in the body of Christ, people either completely focus on grace or they completely focus on faith. And here's what I'm saying. When you can believe the grace of God, that is, you add nothing to the equation. I actually have a, a, a quote here that is a, just a, a, a great, this is John Bunyan. And he said, great grace and small gifts are better than, than great gifts and small grace. Uh, because we need the grace of God, the grace of God to serve God, to walk out your faith. It like you, it, it is the foundation pillar of what New Testament Christianity is. What separates us from every other religion in the world is either meditating your way for, to God or trying to be good enough to get to God. And every other religion is based on those types of things. Christianity is based upon by grace through faith unmerited that's that's not earning god's grace or favor and then living by faith which is just trusting believing cleaving to relying upon and now you move to that place of faith when both of those are operating you're going to find a life that is following jesus 
So, uh, hey, as a believer, as a pastor or leader, whoever you may be, it is when both of those are placed together. I live by God's unmerited favor, favor, and now I live by faith in the Son of God. And that faith, as you believe Jesus, you become more and more like Jesus. When those two are working together, mm-hmm. it really produces what the church should be like. Mm. Man, that's profound. I think that could help uh, people not get into place of, you know, because even the question I ask could become, you know, a, a law-based question. Like, what do I, you know, what must I do to earn my salvation, uh, or what must I do to, you know, become a new covenant Christian? And uh, the, the grace is that, you know, uh, your arms are up and surrender to God. Uh, I need you to do this for me. Faith is, I, I believe you will. If I ask you, will you'll you'll come and do that? Um, I noticed you had your Bible open to Galatians. Uh, I'd love to for you. I think you did that intentionally just before we started the podcast today. Uh, I think there's some things that are very rich in there. Uh, do you mind taking a few minutes to unpack uh, that verse and the, or the passages of Galatians that address this issue of the new covenant? Absolutely. And one thing I would like, like one of the things that I do when I'm at pastors' conferences, I literally will go through whole you know, uh, whole books and chapters. So this is not some sidelined issue. This is the gospel. And Galatians really outlines this. So we know that Jesus fulfilled the work at the cross. But what what Galatians is and what you see the ministry of Paul is that Paul took uh, what Jesus did at the cross and God gave him a revelation. And and, uh, Galatians 1 uh, starts to talk about that. That this vision, this revelation was given to me by the Lord. Well, what that revelation was, is I believe, is the power of the new covenant. So God was showing him what it meant, what the death and resurrection of Christ means. And so he explains this in new covenant. And so when he says, if I or an angel from heaven appears and tells you any other message, but this message, let him be accursed. Well, what was the message? The message was completely that we are not saved by the keeping of law. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by human effort. We are completely saved by the grace of God through faith. And it, and it, and it highlights it all throughout the book. Uh, I love uh, in chapter two, you see this face off between Paul and Peter. And uh, they're with a group of, uh, they're, they're having a dinner basically. And uh, there's um, you have Gentiles that are there. And so Peter and the other apostles are all hanging out and talking and they're having a great time. Well, then Judaizers, which are people who would mix law and grace, come into the room. And then all of a sudden, Peter kind of goes, hey, I can't really be seen with you because here comes these law-based people. And they know that it's against the law for a Jew to sit at the table in this kind of way with a Gentile. So Peter then separates himself out. Paul says this, and this, uh, I think it's, it's, it's because he had this revelation of the new covenant and understanding what the plan of God, and he would not, he said, I withstood Peter to his face. So now you have Paul and Peter having a face off in front of Jewish and Gentile believers. I don't think that Paul would have done that if it was some small issue, but this was the foundation stone of the gospel. And he's saying, listen, I could not let that go. Because I did not want it to be frustrated because when Peter does this, he's sending a message to the Gentiles and to the Jews. 
that somehow if you keep law, it's going to make you more right with God. And he said, I withstood him to his face and I told him, you know that Jesus died and paid for it all. And now righteousness comes only by, by faith uh, in Jesus Christ and the finished work. And it does not come through the keeping of law. So here you have Paul. This is how passionate <laughs> he is. So now when he comes to chapter 3 in Galatians, you're putting a context to this, and you have the Galatian believers that have been influenced by people that are bringing New Covenant and Old Covenant together, and they're trying to go, okay, we believe Jesus died on the cross, but if you really want to be right with God, you also need to keep law. And if you keep law and you believe in Jesus, both of those together will give you a powerful life. And Paul is writing this and he's saying, no, that's not true. It doesn't add to the power of living for God. It actually subtracts from it. So when you start to mix law back with grace, you nullify its power. And here's the point. If you're a believer or preacher, teacher, whoever you may be, it is so important for the body of Christ that we separate old covenant and new covenant. Because when you start to mix the two together, it's not that you now make it more powerful or help people to live a better, holier life. No, you do the opposite. It is law that makes people want to give up. It's law that frustrates. So when you introduce that to a new covenant message, you undermine its power. So Paul is saying, no, you get rid of new covenant you be, uh, uh, old covenant and you begin to, to focus in and believe new covenant and the power of what Jesus did on the cross. And now you're going to experience real power. And he, so, so look, look at chapter three and verse three, he says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit and now you're going to be made perfect by the flesh or the keeping of law and uh, go to verse five. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by works or the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him or imputed, righteousness was imputed upon him. Therefore, know that those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And here's, and here's Abraham was the father of faith. So I'm, I'm just saying to you, if you're in listening and you're tuning in and you're going, man, I'm trying to figure out Christianity. I want power in my life. I'm tired of living to the beggarly elements. I feel like I'm overwhelmed all the time. I, I don't find no joy in my life. I feel powerless in my life. Man, this is today. This is for you. Stop trying to please God through your efforts and works and prayers and obedience. Stop that. And begin to move to a place that you start living by grace through faith. And you will find the power of the Holy Spirit alive in your heart. It will bring freshness and life and joy. And Paul, why is he adamantly calling Peter out to his face and writing this book? He's doing it because he saw people that are living this way. And he's like, there's so much more. You've got to experience the power of the new covenant. Mm. So, wow. dang, I'm, I'm preaching Amen. Now. No, that's good. <laughs> I love it. So. Uh, yeah, I want to look at uh, one more passage here in just a minute, but, you know, just uh, on a personal testimony uh, in my own family, uh, you know, I come from like five, six, maybe even seven generations of pastors and preachers, and my great, uh, my, my grandparents were um, very um, strict, uh, live, kind of living by the law. They they sort of like if you, if you uh, it, was, it was so legalistic that if you, had a uh, washing machine in your house. You were and you weren't working to clean the 
close yourself, you were breaking the law and you had to repent and get right with God or uh, certainly you couldn't go to movies or dances or uh, even my, my dad was not allowed to go to sporting events. He wouldn't, he, in high school, he couldn't go to the high school basketball game or the high school football game. Uh, that would be sitting in the seat of the scorners, or the, or the scoffers. And so, you know, they had all these laws and stuff. And so even though my dad had, you know, if you've read The Cross and Switchblade or you know of his ministry, you know he had a great impact and there was power coming from his ministry, but he had he had always, always he had the struggle of inside of him, like, I'm, I'm not doing enough, I'm not good enough. Um, uh, do I really, does God really love me? Is he, does he accept me as I am or do I need to perform more? Well, you know, that, that'll wear you out. That, that, and he got to a place in his ministry. He told me years later that got to this place in his ministry where he was ready to give up. And he just took six months off and got his Bible and some books and started reading about this thing called the New Covenant, which is is, diff- is different than the it – is, it is a part of the gospel, but it, it is bringing the gospel to a – not, not, you can't say fuller because the gospel is as full as it gets, mm-hmm. but, but it, it explores the gospel in ways that move you. So, so you could have the gospel, you know, like we, we just read in Galatians 3, you can have the gospel in that first part of that, you know, having begun in the spirit, okay, that you, you began by receiving the gospel, but then now you've moved out of, and back into the old covenant by trying in the flesh or by works. <clears throat> so he was having that struggle and he started to <clears throat> read this. Uh, material and read these scriptures and man he started preaching at, at Times Square Church in New York City started preaching the New Covenant uh, series after series week after week and you know he told me later he was he was pretty much preaching it to himself at first but before long it, it had it had integrated into his very fabric of who he is and it became it started flowing out of him as 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 if it was real language to his heart not just something he was trying to trying to get up here and then he wrote that book uh, New Covenant Unveiled uh, which I think now is called It Is Finished. And then you, guys like you and some others, uh, Pastor Carter Conlon in New York, you, know, you, you guys got a hold of this thing, and and you know, you know, kind of like uh, you know Luther had 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 gotten the Reformation message, then then all these reformers sort of t- took it, and and uh, Zwingli and others just spread it across the world, and maybe even got some richer uh, ways and means to communicate that and have people um, come into it, and and so. That uh, so I that, I say all that just to say you know to, to see the change in him, uh, you know th- th- there was there was uh, there was as much power in his ministry there ever was before, but there was more rest now. The the, the power came out of confidence, uh, came out of rest, it came out of peace, it came out of joy, and this uh, you know he had probably even greater impact in his ministry and it changed the church. Um, you know and so uh, so if some people are listening to us today and they're saying like well I don't really fully understand. You know, how do I distinguish? Am, am I living in old, under the old law and covenant, or am I in the new covenant? And you know, the next chapter, uh, Galatians four, it kind of begins to break that down a little bit. When in verse one, Paul says, um, "I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, okay, so you're a child of God. You've been born again. You understand the gospel. You 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 have received grace, and you're believing in faith. Um, but you're still." Uh, is no different than a slave. So, so in, in reality here, Paul seems to be describing somebody who could be in the church and a child of God, born again, adopted into the family of God, but yet still be under this slavery, this bondage, um, though he is the owner of everything. He has grace, he has faith, but he's not operating, he's not living that faith out. And that's where you get that struggle. That's where you get that guilt. That's where you get that shame. That's where you get that sense of never doing enough, being enough, good enough. But he that is under the guardians and managers until the day set by his father. So uh, the law was 
there was a, there was some management going on. God was showing people, like you said, their flaws. You know, I think everybody sees to some degree. Some people try to suppress that truth, as Romans one says, but but everybody deep down knows there's sin in their life and and, and error and flaw, and so the law was used at that point to manage this thing that God was doing. I'm going to manage your life till you get so. Um, my grandfather called it the Holy Ghost Miserables. It, like it make you so so miserable that you have to find some other form of life. And God's just you know. So the law is good and it's, it's working that that sense. But then, but you don't want to stay under that slavery and, and that bondage. Not when there, uh, you are the owner of everything. You're in the owner uh, in verse three. In the same way, also we, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, that's what we're talking about. The fullness of time of this new covenant message. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that they might re- receive the adoption of the sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, "Abba, Father!" So that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So. So this is this is our the new covenant is our inheritance. You know, it's it's um it, it's not just uh, not just peace is our, our inheritance or joy. All those things are, I, I believe, those are the fruits of the root of the tree. The the tree is this covenant that God has made with us. Uh, and there's there's other covenants in Scripture, and uh, but but this is the one sort of that I that I believe is. Uh, you know, when, when Zerubbabel is rebuilding the temple, he puts the capstone on the top of it, and the and the thing that the people cry out, they scream out, and is, is not like works. We did it, we finished the work, like or confidence or boldness or uh, ability. It was uh, what he says, grace, and he, and then he repeats it, grace, not you know we achieve grace by our good works, but it says grace, comma grace to it, to, to the work that God has done, the finished work that God has done. He's built the temple. You know, he used our hands, he used our effort, he used our materials, but but it was him that did the work for us. And I think these are these are some of the things that people can walk in a in a, in a more brilliant joy and a, an effervescent life in, in Christ. That's what it's meant to be. It's not meant to be drudgery. It's not meant to be dull. It's not meant to be Earn it. It's not meant to be striving. It's it's a yeah. We press on. And we strive in the sense for the sake of the gospel to reach others. But it, it comes out of peace. It comes out of life. And you have that. You and you know, like I was just using that testimony. My father saw that at Times Square Church in New York City, and and subsequently throughout the world as he preached that message. And I traveled to seventy different countries and pastors' conferences. And he was preaching it all over the world. But you know, one of the things that struck me when we would preach that that message in in certain places. Uh, particularly in places where they have a history of being sort of a law-based uh, church. And it, it can be rough at first. There can be a real resistance. You know, there was a kind of a pulling back, crossing the arms, and like the frown, the, the burrowed frown, and and like, you know, Brother Dave, you're getting soft. You used to preach on sin. You used to preach repentance, and now you're preaching grace and faith and, and new life in Christ that's sustain, sustainable, not by your works, but by His. And, you know, we want to work to get ours. And uh, but I tell you, by the second day of the conference, you'd see some tears start to roll out of the corner of the eye, and you see some hearts really beginning to understand that this is what Jesus has won for me, and why not, you know, why not take my inheritance and live in the rich, lavish riches that God has extended for us? Well, we're running low on time. Anything else on your mind? I know that we could like go for forty hours here, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, or like, like like you did in uh, Cuba and. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we, you know, this, these are some materials. I really want the people to listen to your sermon series on this, so they can do that at uh, TJ's, 
TJC. That's my my own. Uh, <laughs> TSCJacks.com. All right, you got it right. Got it right. Yeah, and uh, and also we'd love to uh, send you a copy of what was once called uh, New Covenant Unveiled. Uh, now it has a, a new name on it called It Is Finished by David Wilkerson, uh, author that I I like a lot respect and um, we can send you that book if you'd like first 20 people that uh, email us at podcast at worldchallenge.org first 20 people that email us at podcast at worldchallenge.org we'll send you a free copy of that uh, take you a week or two to get it maybe a slightly longer as a, we've opened up a bookstore as well at worldchallenge.org and uh, some of the books that I've written uh, some of the, my father David Wilkerson's Carter Conlin's Tim Delina's uh, uh, Claude Oud's uh, these are some great books uh, available some music CDs by my wife Kelly Wilkerson and some others uh, love for you to join us uh, if you like these podcasts please uh, uh, let some of your friends know or link them to other people's accounts share this uh, message with, with others as well these last two episodes have been I think extremely important and could be a, a real starting place for some uh, liberty in Christ for some believers. Thanks for joining us today, John, Pastor John. Thanks for sharing your heart with us. I, I, I felt that gumption, that Holy Ghost uh, <laughs> fire burning in your uh, fire shut up in your bones. And that's, uh, it's, I love that, that, that there's a man who has fire shut up in his bones, but that normally that used to mean sort of like, man, he'd pound the pulpit and preach hard and hellfire and brimstone. You can preach just as passionately about this good news message of the new covenant. Thank you, sir. Amen. God Thank bless. you, Pastor Gary. Good to be here. Thank you. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.